Hello everyone, this is Saqib. Uh, it's time to do another episode for Tennis with an Accent Roland Garros series. And today we have uh, Sasha Osmo joining us uh, from the Roland Garros uh, grounds. He's a busy man. He works for Sport Club and he covers uh, mostly tennis for Croatia, Serbia and the entire uh, the Yugoslav nation. Uh, how are you today, Sasha? I'm fine, thank you. As you said, very busy. Every day, especially today with Novak and Lajevic playing. So yeah, definitely. Let's uh, start with Novak. Uh, uh, to me, it was a good match. I know it was a lot of up and down level, but since you know his comeback has been talk of the town, uh, I, I thought he was hitting the forehands well. We even talked a bit on Twitter, uh, and it was a tough opponent who could run, uh, who was a typical clay court player. So what did you make of this match today, and are you satisfied what you have seen so far from him? Uh, I think he is not satisfied, uh, and I think that is the main thing. Actually, uh, while I was watching the match, I was thinking one thing, how... While he dominated the game, he had these kind of matches as well, and no one has taken them seriously. You know, these matches where, where he has ups and downs and where he struggles a bit with the lower-ranked players, but no one seemed to notice at the time. But now the whole perspective and the whole context is different for the public, for us media, and for himself as well. So I asked him in the Serbian part of the presser, is he like being, uh, being a bit harder of, on himself than he should be? And he said, I probably am, and that's because I've set really high standards for myself and I'm not living up to them in the last year and a half, and that's why I constantly want more. So uh, I don't think we should uh, we should li- really pay that much meaning to these first two rounds, and I think the, the real exam is what comes next, and that is Roberto Bautista good. As for today's match, just like you said, his forehands were fine, but... Uh, Again, his backhand was better in the first round. His forehand was better in the second round. So, uh, ups, ups and downs, ups and downs. And I think he he himself repeated that phrase like four or five times in these two press conferences. So, there is still a lot of a huge amplitude, let's say, it, that we're not used to see from Novak. As uh, while he dominated the game, main characteristic of his was consistency both on a yearly level, on a match level, set level, game level, whichever level you want to, you want to choose. He was, he was synonymous with consistency, and now that is not the case. And I think that that is what bothers him, and that is what, what bothers the eye for us spectators while watching him. It's true. Uh, uh, the, you know, the next match could be a big test because Batista has beaten him before, has played him tough in Roland Garros two years ago. But was this the kind of opponent who could, you think, uh, rhythm-wise, prepared Novak for the next round? Yes, I think so. They're kind of, uh, they're kind of similar. Bautista, of course, is uh, a lot more experienced, but they they have some uh, similar traits. Like they never give up uh, in a point. Uh, they make you hit an extra shot. But in my opinion, uh, Bautista has just a bit more poise on his forehand. I I think his serve is a bit more accurate, even. Not not stronger, but a bit more accurate. I was actually quite surprised by Munar today. He served like a few bombs over 210. I, I didn't know he had that in his arsenal. But Bautista, he's beaten Novak in Shanghai. He, he's been a real test in US Open a few years ago. And of course, the, the match you mentioned two years ago here in Paris... That was that was a really good, but it was a really strange match as well. If you remember, it was raining. There was a, I think one one or two interruptions, and I think Novak doesn't like to play those kind of players uh, when he is in a situation like this, when, when he doesn't have his confidence on the maximum because he needs just like 
he said, he himself put it, I need to dictate the points, but I need to be patient at the same time. And that is a very delicate balance to find, in my opinion. So I expect uh, I expect a really tough tough job for Novak. You know, like at this stage of the tournament, do you think uh, Djokovic right now is seeded 20? And, you know, his comeback is getting bigger and stronger, you know, with each match he wins. Uh, you think, is he better off just winning in straight sets? Or you think, uh, from Djokovic's uh, point of view, of course, players don't want to play long. But do you think a four or five set battle, if he wins it, will serve him well for the second week of the tournament? I don't think so. I think he needs to... That was the case earlier in his career. Just like I mentioned a few times when he dominated the game, but he needs confidence in his game more than in his conditioning right now, in my opinion. As for the 20th seed, he himself joked in the press conference. He said, that's it. I made it to the third round. I justified my seeding. So everything else is a bonus. He laughed, of course. It was a joke. But still, you know, he maybe that number by his name is a reminder that he's still on the comeback and that we should not... Uh, put the expectations that high as we usually do for someone who's won 12 Grand Slams and 30 Masters. Do you think uh, now with this new, uh, not new, but the old team is back, you think is there any training that he's doing differently? How is he off court? I mean, when you do these interviews, has something changed personality-wise? Is he the same Novak that was two years ago? Because there's a lot of focus on him and rightfully so, some things should stay private. But what is your take on you covered the man for so long? Do you see any difference off court when you see him in practice or interviews? Actually, not that very much. Uh, I can even say that last year, which was really terrible for him during Roland Garros, he was even more forthcoming and uh, prepared to, you know, stay after the practice and talk to us. For example, last year, two matches before his loss to team here, that was a really terrible loss. He stayed with us after one practice at John Boen here at practice center. In Paris, and he talked to a few of Serbian journalists. I think it was half an hour. So no, and he's always he's always eager to help. He understands the media. He understands we're part of that world. So in his demeanor, of course, I haven't noticed any changes for the negative. At least, at least from my perspective as a journalist. On, on the contrary. One more thing: uh, uh, is he at the fitness level? I mean, since someone like you who follow him closely, is he at the fitness level where? Uh, he can win this whole thing or it's too early uh, to see uh, to make that kind of a judgment? I think it's hard for any of us to make that kind of a judgment, even for himself, because, as you said, he needs to be tested. Until he's tested, tested he won't know what are his capacities at the moment, both physical and mental. And I think the only answer is in matches. He said today in the presser that this is the first time he... He, he feels like he lacks matches in, te- in terms of confidence and feeling comfortable on the court. So uh, as for the fitness, we've seen like Indian Wells and Miami, that was awful. I have never, I have never seen him play like that. I've never seen him give up on so many balls, but he obviously returned too early. It was a lot better on the clay season, especially, especially in Rome. So I think it's getting better. I think it's getting there. I wouldn't say he's 100% that's why that's why I said he does not need the four set or five set matches. As for going all the way, I don't know. You you can't be sure. Of course, two two weeks is a long period. He has a decent draw if he goes, if he beats Bautista, good. But but you never know. I wouldn't put him like right behind Rafa in terms of favorites. I wouldn't just put him there. And I I think he he should. Uh, enjoy his kind of underdog, not right like the real underdog, but some sort of an underdog status at the moment.
like someone from the shadows. Absolutely. I mean, his consistency and some of the numbers he put on for the last four or five years before, you know, some, some of this, you know, like bad form and injury uh, took place. His numbers are legendary. So how is uh, the tennis fans in Serbia and that part of the world, how different it is for them to see number 20 rank, uh, listed next to Novak Djokovic? Because for the longest time, he was either one or two. Yes, I mean, it's definitely hard considering that he is like an icon in uh, in Serbia. When he won Wimbledon in 2011 and became number one players in, player in the world, there were like uh, 100,000 people celebrating and uh, in the one of the biggest squares in Belgrade. So you can imagine, you can imagine how how much he's loved over there. I mean, it's hard, but it is it is what it is. I mean, uh, we. Just hope that he brings his old level back, his old desire back foremost, and then and then his old level back, and we'll see. I mean, uh, Serbia had some good players in the past, like Slobodan Boban Živojinović, but this generation with Jan, Koana, Jelena, and finally Novak and a few and a few other players, Trajitski, I don't want to forget anybody. They've set the set the bar really high, so we can just be grateful that uh, there is that there was and is someone who. Someone who achieved so much. I mean, he's one of the top five players in history of the game, and we we've never even had a, not close to that, but not close to a to a much lower lower achievement. So we're just grateful, and if he finishes his career tomorrow, he'll still be one of the top five top five players ever. Twelve Grand Slams, thirty Masters titles, positive head to head with two best of all time, Rafa and Roger. So what more can you ask for? Yeah, the, another player that you have followed a lot is uh, Dusan Lajovic. He's made some tremendous improvements uh, and his ranking is heading in the right direction. And today he lost a heartbreaker for match with Sasha Zverev. So how impressed are you from what you've seen in the last few months? You know, he did well in Madrid and now today had this great match. So he keeps building on. Yes, I'd like to start by saying he's one of the nicest, perhaps the nicest guy I've ever met while while working as a journalist and he deserves everything that is happening to him at the moment and just like you said i think he is going to build on these successes that he's had in the last few weeks and i expect to see him in the top 50 really soon he's made some changes to his game i've spoken to him quite a lot and i think the biggest change actually not i think i'm sure that the biggest change is that he's hitting more with his forehand he's being aggressive and he told me that some of his previous coaches wanted to emphasize his backhand but actually he thinks of he thinks of forehand as his biggest weapon because it allows him to open the court more and to dictate the play more and he just feels more comfortable dictating dictating play with it as you could see as you could see in the in the today's match with Zverev, especially in the especially in the first three sets, I think he was playing really great. He's had a few of these matches when, where he was two sets to one up in the Grand Slams, and he later lost. One was to Bautista Gut in Melbourne in 2016, and the same year against Ben Aper in New York at U.S. Open. Uh, first time he was injured, second time he had cramps, and as for today, he told me that he, if he could change anything, he would change his body language, body language in the fourth set, and uh, he thinks it was a mixture of emotional, physical, and mental fatigue. He said he, he had like maybe hour or two of strength in his legs for running, but he just wasn't able, he wasn't able to pull that out of himself and I think 
I think that's the main reason he lost today. All, and he, he felt he shouldn't have let that second set slip because if he if he would if he was able to win that set, he felt like Zverev would yeah. mentally collapse and then his chances would be obviously a lot bigger if he was two sets to love up. But still I think he can be he can be proud of everything he's done last last few weeks. The draw obviously wasn't very very merciful to him. And I as I said, I expect to see him in the top 50 really soon. And just one more thing to add. In this match, his first serve wasn't there when he needed it, except for the except for the end of the third set when he, he's had some really big serves. In every other big moment, he just couldn't put the first serve in. And that reflected on the court as well because he didn't have many cheap points and he had to build from nothing. This year he's about 65 or 66 percent of first serves in, and he was 57 today. So statistically, that may have been the key. I'm sure against the top player, those small things magnify in a in a, in a match like this. And let's talk about the man who uh, he lost to Sasha Zverev. He's riding his own uh, pressure in Grand Slam because you know we all have been talking for so long that he's ready to do well because he's done so well at the Masters 1000. And uh, today was a classic example where things could have gone very quickly the other way. So how impressed are you to see Zverev, you know, turn that match around? I'm actually not that impressed by him today. I must admit because I think this, uh, I think uh, in the fourth and fifth set he did play some solid tennis, but it was not, it was not even close to his best throughout the whole match. And I think Dutsi, as Lajovic's nickname is, lost it more than Zverev won it. And uh, if I were Zverev, I would be worried more than uh, pleased after this match. He's got Jumhur next that could be a complicated opponent. He tracks down a lot of balls, runs a lot, but to be honest, I don't see him I don't see him threatening Zverev. I don't see him threatening Zverev in the third round. Next he's got Hachanov or possibly Luka Pui. That could be an intriguing matchup. So he's got he does not have an easy draw, especially considering the extra pressure he feels in the slams right now, even though in every presser he says he does not feel it. But I I do feel I do think he feels it and I do think he needs to he needs to break through in order in order to feel more comfortable in the slams that will happen but for now it didn't. And before we wrap up I know you did a very nice translation interview with Bernie Chorich uh, we spoke with so just tell us something about how Chorich is feeling and his game is coming along I know he did some very serious off training he has Ricardo Piatti as his coach he had a great match with Federer so what is uh, your explanation of uh, you know the certain rise in Chorich's game? I'd like to begin by saying that he's uh, he's one of the greatest professionals I've seen, and I thought that of him from the first moment I saw him when he was really really young. He even at that time when he was like seventeen or eighteen, he seemed and was so determined, so focused on the goals ahead of him, on the things he needed to improve in his game, and so on. So that was really impressive for me to see, and that's why I never counted him out, even though some of the media have been ca- have been counting him out, forgetting that he's really really young guy. And I mean, he's he's still 21 years old, so he's got uh, a lot of years ahead of him. As for his game uh, today, he told me in that interview that he's changed the way he works in the off season. He put the emphasis on qu- quality, not quantity. He worked two hours tennis and two hours fitness every day for five and a half, six weeks. And 
he managed to stay injury free uh, during that period and afterwards, which was the key for him and for his consistency. I think, considering his style of play, consistency needs to be there for him, and he wasn't just able to, to, you know, stay healthy for a long time. There was knee issues, there were neck issues, there were hip issues, but now he's completely fine, and now that he he's hit the stride, he's he's been able to play for a lot lot of time without any without any hiccups without any injuries he's shown he's shown us what he can do he's uh, yeah. i think uh, when he was a lot younger many compared him to to novak in uh, in terms of playing style but i always found that they're more similar in their mentality and their discipline and their dedication to tennis but also in playing style as well if you remember novak in early phase and he of his career, he also had trouble finishing off short balls with his forehand, just like Borna did. But if you notice Borna from this year, especially from Indian Wells, and these past few weeks, you can see him stepping into the court, being more aggressive with his forehand and and with his backhand, and he's uh, he's feeling more comfortable dictating dictating the points. I think uh, what one year, how one year can make a change. Borna Cioric is the right example. Last year he played a really good but not so confident and not so mentally stable match against Steve Johnson here and he lost and he and this year he played a tough guy like Philip Kolschreiber and he he routed him. He almost routinely beaten him. Yes, I think that's uh, good stuff on Cioric and uh, hopefully we speak to you again. I know you have articles to write. Uh, next week maybe we can connect again if you have the time. Uh, good to know all these insights on Novak and Borna, and maybe we can touch base later on next week about Marin Cilic. So again, once again, that's uh, Sasha Osmo. Thanks a lot for doing this. We had some malfunction, and this interview was supposed to be 20 minutes, but we have been recording for the last 40 minutes. Uh, I had segments, but you're so kind <laughs> and so professional of you to help me out. You're welcome. Anytime, anytime. thank you. I, I'm always pleased to do stuff like this. I, can, I could talk about tennis for ages, so feel free to call me anytime. <laughs> 